Welcome to Deal Shredders. We are your hosts, David and Greg. We are local Nashville investors, cash buyers, and real estate agents who love to analyze your deals. Today we have Grant Hammonds, who is an award-winning real estate agent with a career sales of just over $425 million. He is a current member of the GNR Legislative Committee, and he is fighting for property owners' rights. And specifically, we are talking today about three bills in the Davison County, Nashville area that will affect everyone's property value, specifically short-term rentals. Stay tuned. So guys, okay, so we're here to talk about the three bills for short-term rentals. I know there's a lot of people going to have a lot of questions. Put your questions in at the in the comments section. I'll get to that at the end. Right now, I just want to introduce our guests. We have two very special guests. We have on one side, we got Mr. Grant Hammond. Grant Hammond <laughs> is a real estate agent. I am. 19 years in the business. Um, he is the president and the principal broker of Metropolitan Brokers, which is your own company. You do a lot of infill, a lot of builds. That's right. You know, a lot of, uh, pretty much you do everything. A lot of new construction. A lot of new construction. Uh, last year, he closed over $65 million. I did. Which puts his career sales at just over $425 million. Dude, that is a hell of an accomplishment. Congrats, man. Got to get to half a bill. Love it, bro. We'll get, oh, you'll get there. You'll get there this year. <laughs> He's a three-time Greater Nashville's Diamond Elite Award winner, four-time finalist for the Nashville Emerging Leader Award, yeah. a 16-time recipient of the five-star excellence and client satisfaction, and he's a current member of GNR Legislative Committee in this fight and other fights for property rights. That's right. He is one of the main activists of, of the short-term rentals. Over here, on our other side, we have Elise Ronzino. Nailed it. Fellow yes. <laughs> right. Italian can pronounce my last name. Yeah, so Elise is on the Nashville... Area. I know it, but I gotta read it because I know I get it wrong if I Want don't. Everybody it? knows Nastra. Nashville Nastra. Area Short Term Rental Association. Nastra. They are a leading activist also in that. Tell everybody a little bit about Nastra. Yeah, our mission as an organization is to advocate for um, fair and responsible home sharing here in the Greater Nashville area. So we have a network of hosts that we meet with regularly. We supply them with like tools and tips on how to be. The best host they can be and um, you know manage their properties well as well as be good neighbors in the process and then we advocate for fair laws and regulations at the same time awesome y'all been around what two three years now uh since 2016 i believe oh nice yeah so no, it's like, is it a non-profit or do you guys do anything else it is a non not-for-profit 501c6 all right um what is the difference between that and a three that is a good question <laughs> <laughs> i guess that's probably a bad question no attorneys in this room a little above my pay grade right now fair, fair enough after i asked it, i was like wait yeah <laughs> Okay, so um, we've got a, we've got quite a few people on here now. A lot of people are kind of want to know. So last night we had three bills put in front of Metro. Can we? Do you guys know those? Do you want to go over the bills? Yeah, let's take them in order. Go. Um, so first one was BL two thousand nineteen dash seven eight. Yes. Which was the what we refer to the hundred foot rule uh, bill, which sought to uh, well it was introduced by Councilman Colby Sledge. 
um, and sought to put a, uh, a distance requirement for non-owner-occupied Airbnbs, short-term rentals, uh, between churches, schools, parks, and daycares, and non-owner-occupied STRs. What is the distance? So the proposed distance from Councilman Sledge was 100 feet from structure to structure for schools, daycares, um, and uh, churches, but was uh, 100 feet from property line to property line for parks. Um, the issue is that planning staff reviewed the bill and recommended that it be 100 feet from property line to property line in all four instances. Um, this rule emanates from the beer laws, uh, where you cannot sell beer within 100 feet of churches, school parks. Uh, it emanates from the uh, adult bookstores, where you cannot have an adult bookstore 100 feet from a school, which makes sense. Um, it was proposed because Councilman Sledge called uh, the activities of non-occupied short-term rentals as uh, secondary negative effects of lewdness, public intoxication. Uh, basically, it's calling tourists a bunch of yahoos that you don't want staying next to your schools. One of the planning commissioners last night actually said that he was afraid that there would be an endangerment to children because he was worried that child molesters um, or people like that could stay in these STRs, All which right. blew our minds. Let's, let's unpack that for a second. So you've got a council person that is saying this. And a lot of people ask this all the time. So where do the council people pull this data to be able to bring this to council? You know, that's a fantastic. So uh, fellow real estate agent Matt Davis did an insanely good job last night of a statistical analysis. In his analysis, and I'm, I'm quoting this information from Matt, um, he found only one non-owner occupied um, unit that had a complaint within 100 feet of a church, school, park, or daycare that complaint was investigated by codes and was dismissed without disciplinary action. So one. So Colby Stretch, so basically the council person put a bill together because of one complaint? They put a bill together with no statistical information, no research, no thought process into are they solving a problem with this legislation? They are legislating solves and solutions to problems that literally don't exist. That's so, so... Why even bring the bill? Why do we think that these bills are coming into play? I'll let Elise answer that question. <laughs> nice pass on that one. <laughs> and if there's any, I'm very bold. If there's anything that we need to do off air, that's fine. <laughs> but I know this is what this is what Nashville's looking for. I I mean, we can all assume intent um, a million different ways, and I don't know if it's my position to assume the intent of Correct. anybody, let alone a council member. Absolutely. I wish I wish he had been there to present his intent at okay. the time of the discussion. Okay, so basically, we can't really comment on that because he wasn't there. I did not realize he wasn't there. He, he, he was there in the very beginning. Okay, so he presented but he the bill, but we don't know where the, the data came from. We just know that there was just one complaint. We know that there was one complaint against a non-owner-occupied STR, which was investigated by codes, dismissed with no disciplinary action. Got that it. applied to a non-owner occupied within 100 feet of one of these facilities. Okay, well, yeah, Only one. And roughly, and it was just fair. how many permits do we have, give or take, in the national community? There's if over 5,500. Yeah, we have five. So as of January the 14th, I believe it was 5,878 current permits with 185 pending permits. The vast majority of those, 1,604, are in Councilman O'Connell's district, which is the downtown area 
Those are master leases of apartment buildings like 505. Okay. So a lot of those are actual businesses that do short-term rentals. Large, large businesses. Not necessarily the small businesses, like what we represent mostly are the individual owners. The mom and pop. Right. So it's fair that this is downtown, like in the actual downtown core. There's probably not a lot of residential around there. Oh, there's plenty of residential down there. I mean, the 505 building, for instance, is 50% apartments and 50% condo. And so it's literally within the same structure. Got it. Um, I think that the point I was trying to make there um, was that um, they're legislating um, a solution to a problem that hasn't existed. Okay. 5,878 units and only one complaint, which when investigated, was substantiated. Cool. It was not substantiated. Statistically, it's a waste of time. So, fair enough. So, that's True. Bill 1. That's kind of the overview on that. We got Bill so they 2. Voted, so, they voted to defer one planning commission meeting okay. where they're going to go back and do an analysis. They asked staff to do an analysis and that's provide fair. statistical analysis as to whether or not Good. land use policy should indeed be used to regulate what happens within 100 feet of a church and when, in regards to short-term rentals. Do we know how many people voted yes or no? Do we so, it was a 4-4 tie. It was a 4-4. On the and first it vote to pass. It was pass, very okay. close to it was, approval. Yeah. It was very close, and then they made a second motion to defer. And I will say I did appreciate, I believe it was Commissioner Sims, was the one who said, I don't think we have enough data to make a decision that on makes this. Sense. Yes. And I, mean, I appreciate the call and request for more sure. data on and it. Colby's These decisions defense, need like to he, be made on data and not anecdotes. Very good point. And in Colby's defense, you know, he's probably speaking for the community, so he's trying to do his part for everybody else. So I feel like that I feel like that was the right thing to do, right? Yes, absolutely. As a I think agreed. Yeah, okay. yeah. The deferment for more so, research is helpful. David, you were there last night. Was there a lot of people down there? It was standing room only when we first got there, even to a point where um, the, the council decided to tackle other topics first and then come back to the Airbnb. And there was probably 90% of the people there for Airbnb. And there was a, a loud groan at that point at which they kind of shut that down, being right. like, hey, we're in charge. We do what we want. Yeah. It, was a, it was a unique situation because we were items 11, 12, and 13 on the agenda. But correct me if I'm wrong, we were the last things talked about. We were, and, and they admitted it was uh, unusual yes. for them to break uh, the the commission's uh, agenda in that way. Um, but okay. uh, they felt other issues were more important. And, they and it's wanted just to... one meeting. I mean, it's not like... Well, I think it, it speaks more to the attitude that the planning commission maybe has regarding short-term rentals. And uh, that maybe they don't deem them quite as... Um, the same plane as an SP request. Or, sure, it makes sense. So it, it's a little frustrating to uh, be pushed down the uh, agenda um, when it was already been published for cool. more than a, almost a week. Yeah, it sends a message that ultimately there is some kind of priority and hierarchy um, that they place on different land use policies in our city. Right. Which sure. to me is uh, very frustrating as a local agent, investor, and developer because ultimately... Um, you hope that we all get the same treatment. That's right. Yeah, you you are almost supposed to be guaranteed right. equal and fair treatment, and and okay. didn't quite feel that way last That'll night. That'll be another episode. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to get too far into that. I kind of want to stay on topic, but that's a, a wonderful point. Um, 
<laughs> and the lights went out. And the lights went out, but we, don't, we move on. So that's bill one. Yeah. Could you go over bill two? And I have your notes if you need it, by the way. Sure. No, I'm. Do you want to introduce <laughs> sure, it? Sure, yeah. Please. Bill two was uh, 2019-79. Okay. Um, which, if I remember right, was introduced by Freddie O'Connell. It was. And it was specifically regarding owner-occupied short-term rentals. It introduced two new requirements, one being that an owner-occupied residence could not be advertised or rented as a whole home or entire home rental, and okay. that the owner could not be away from the premises for more than 15 consecutive hours while being rented. Because that sounds easy to track. Okay, so unpack that a little bit. So somebody that lives in their house, they can't advertise as a whole home. So usually, I guess for everybody out there, an owner-occupied Airbnb, this is where you live there and you have a room or a basement that you get short-term rentals. Maybe it's not every day or whatever. Yeah. Or parents. even your whole house. Up or, until now, lawfully, sure. oh. your permit allows you to rent your whole house. That's right. Oh. You don't have to have to legally be on site during the Did rental. Did not know that. But this has a lot of impact in a variety of ways. One, traveling musicians, medical professionals, anyone Military that chooses Military, to rent yeah. their whole house mm -hmm. while they are away for work or deployment mm -hmm. um, would no longer be allowed to. So you can, if you're in the military and you're home, you can rent it out, but if you get deployed, you cannot? Correct. According so, to this bill. Uh, according to yeah, and I have two clients who are members of 101st Airborne who were just deployed on active duty to the Middle East who would be affected by this. So if they're on deployment right now, how do they defend themselves of this bill that was just introduced last week? You make an excellent point. It's interesting. Yeah. You make an excellent point. Yeah. Hmm. You know, they, they said to me, one of them said to me, they said, Grant, don't let this get foobar on me. Otherwise, I'll come and get all red hat. And so I had to look all that up. Well, <laughs> that's not good. On their behalf, thanks for looking out for them. But that just doesn't make any... I just, okay, moving on to that. The other component of that is that if you have an owner-occupied permit for your dadu, above-garage apartment, or a walkout basement, a mother-in-law suite, any space where the guest has private and complete access with their own entrance, okay. that is advertised online on every listing platform as a whole home rental. That's how it would come up in search. That's how it's defined because they don't have to share any physical space or entrance with the homeowner. So it's advertised that way. It's a big this deal. bill would say you cannot advertise it that way. So a dadu, David, you're you're the king of dadus. You want to explain to everybody what a dadu is? For sure, dadu is simply a detached accessory dwelling unit um, on e not on any but on a lot of lots that are zoned for two builds. Sometimes you will actually have two units that are separate like an HPR, but occasionally you'll have an R6 lot where a single house is there and somebody can build a garage apartment off the alley with a with a unit above it. Or if you live in Cleveland Park or McFerrin Park, it has an SP overlay where all that is RS5 zoning, but it has a DADU eligibility where you can build a second unit off the back alley. It's basically a miniature house, usually 700 square feet or so. Sure. It's completely detached. Over a garage a lot of times. Sometimes or could, sometimes or so. not even. Okay. Like I'm building one right now that won't even have a garage. It's just a single story. Oh. It's a two-bedroom, one-bath, 700-square-foot house, completely private, off the alley. They have their own entrance, own kitchen, everything. Nobody gets bothered. And ultimately, um, that bill was saying that you wouldn't be able to uh, to advertise that as its own structure, even though it would be. Okay. I think it's important to say the intent, I believe, was to simplify um, the process by which you obtain a permit and for enforcement. So the idea is if you can homogenize the way that you define a um, owner-occupied permit, then you can make enforcement a lot easier. 
What they did not take into account was how these are listed on the platforms. Um, and so clearly, in this case, the council member O'Connell, who has been um, in this short-term rental, um, let's call it spirited debate for his entire uh, council career. What district is that? So he is in the, and I, I think it's District 19. Okay. Um, he is, uh, he was instrumental and involved in Bill 608 in 2017 um, and Bill 1633 uh, this year that was Council uh, Member Berkeley Allen's bill. Mm -hmm. So he, he is very well um, into this uh, and it's surprising to see a council member who has that much knowledge also not understanding how the platforms work. Um, and I think it speaks a little bit to the fact that these council members are not necessarily speaking with the entire community. Um, okay. We certainly have not had a meeting with council member O'Connell in a number of months. So there wasn't like a community meeting or anything? Not that we're aware of. If there was community meeting, we were not invited. Because usually, I mean, I go for rezones quite a bit, David, you do. I mean, you... We're required to have a community meeting to talk to the neighbors sometimes to talk about what we're putting there and why and maybe feedback. So these bills were introduced with no community meeting. Is that an actual rule or we we just kind of, is that just like... It's not a law. You do not have to lawfully have a community meeting pr prior to submitting to a, bill a bill for legislation. So that's probably why there's so many people there because that's actually their time for the community to meet. This was the first public hearing where the pub right. general public, citizens of Nashville, could get up and share their either their support of the bill or their opposition. So is there a time frame when they submit a bill before they have a meeting like that? Usually. Is there a required time frame to get everybody notice and to, to A, show up, and to have some knowledge of what they're going for? Or do they just like, oh, here's a bill, let's do a community meeting? And yeah, what's interesting in, in this case, when you go to rezone a property, um, you typically the homeowners around that area get a letter in the mail talking about it, a reason. Yeah, it's like a thousand feet around the subject right. property. In in this case, how do you send out letters to everyone everyone within a thousand feet of a homeowner occupied um, short term rental? Well, it's a law Nashville. that impacts they, have to Davidson say, County. They would have well, to notify the entire county and, and about so the proposed didn't. law change. Yeah, and so yeah. they did, the, and they would have to though. Right. I mean, that's. So, 250,000, 300,000 people. So, yeah, that's that's the part that's a little bit frustrating. And so okay. we learn of these bills when they're submitted for first reading. Um, and we get to see legislation for the first time then. And we can see the wording. And, and there's some really easy fixes that if the council member had maybe shared some thoughts or had some meetings or uh, met with, what blows my mind a little bit is that if they're regulating short-term rentals, the National Area Short-Term Rental Association is literally the authority on those rules as they sit, and they understand how legally, lawfully permitted users. And that's what you do. Those. You're making sure everybody's doing the right thing. And we would love a seat at the table for those discussions. And that's, we have that's I feel like advocated you should, you for that. You should be because you probably. I'm. Not, I'm just. I don't know a lot about your organization, but do you study the data? Do you look at these kind of things? Like, we can you bring a, an intelligent piece to this? Yes, we absolutely can. Yes. <laughs> the most intelligent piece in, in, most, in almost all instances. So yeah. what else do we miss about the second bill? I will just point out that uh, Planning Commission's staff recommendation okay. regarding that bill was to remove the 15-hour time okay. requirement. Right. Sure, I mean. Because they noted it God as being completely unenforceable. Yeah, right. <laughs> How, how would that even be monitored, tracked, enforced? There's no way. So staff did recommend that that gets removed. And 
um, it, it, the way the vote ended on that, they decided again to defer. I think they were hearing people on the the mismatch of the phrase entire home or whole home and how things are listed online and that that would have a, a far-reaching impact that was not intended sure. with this and that if the intent is either better enforcement or weeding out people that are fraudulently obtaining owner-occupied permits by not truly being like a resident else. there, Absolutely. then find a better way to require that proof. Yeah. And they seemed open to that, which is why they decided ultimately to defer and, again, to allow some more time for data and research, which hopefully will happen. Okay. Yeah. Well, good. I mean, at least they're open to that. Again, with... deferral was a win at this point. But at, least, a, at least on a deferral, people know they have some time to prepare. And it doesn't get know. immediately enacted today because of pending legislation ordinance. If it passes planning commission, even though it has not been voted into law by Metro City Council, everybody pauses. It would be enacted into law as though it was passed as of this morning. So, you're so a deferral means at least that did not happen. So they're still issuing permits, but if it doesn't get deferred, it if it passes planning, then as of this morning, they would have stopped issuing them. And there were people there last night speaking to the fact that they just finished construction on their dadu. They're in process waiting on the fire marshal to finish their permit. They would have lost the right to to get their permit so, if uh, it passed last one night. One thing that I know people have asked me is the whole HPR thing. If you An HPR is a density solution in, in Nashville for two units on certain type of zoning and certain time, certain type of lots. It's like, it's like a virtual... Uh, it's like taking a lot instead of subdividing it. It's a virtual subdivision of the lot to yeah. typically create sure. two homes on one lot, just like you have, you know, in, in R six, R eight, um, R ten. So if I if I had a, a job where I make a certain amount of money and maybe I could buy a seven hundred thousand dollar house, I can theoretically buy two three hundred and fifty thousand dollar houses next to each other, and I could live in one side. And since I own both, is it true that I could own or occupy Airbnb, the one next door that I also that's, own? That's currently true. Uh, yes. That's currently true. So does this bill affect those people? So that's up for, again, that's a little bit up for debate. Okay. Um, because the owner occupied, I believe there was language in there that said that uh, Councilman O'Connell had in there that specifically referred that. to HPRs okay. as an exception. Now, is that an HPR on a, a residential R6 zone lot, or is that an HPR on an RM lot, an OR lot? So that's residentially zoned okay. property. So if you had an HPR on an RM, you're okay at this point? <laughs> well, again, not really well defined uh, because this bill was so vague. Fair there's, enough. There's a lot of gray area in all of these. Like okay. the lasting implications on all the bills that we're talking about, I mean, they're not supposed to be harmful, you know, as they're saying, but ultimately they can be and they will be. Sure. Passed. Okay. Yeah, the commission last night said negative unintended consequences about 30 times when debating these three bills. And they recognize that there are... What does that mean exactly? Well, that means that they haven't game planned out entirely what would happen and that there would likely be negative unintended consequences from these bills as written. Negative That's, unintended Meaning the intent of the bill... Right. Maybe like for one thing, but it also opens the door for all these other instances where law-abiding citizens would be restricted. And that wasn't the original intent, but legally, right. yeah, so they would be impacted. So let's yeah. talk about those homeowners, I mean, like, that buy two units and they can now, I mean, what what happens to their property value? I mean, I know that 
where you talked about traveling nurses and stuff like that. I know there's some teachers, mm-hmm. a lot a lot of people. Like, what would they? What would happen to that other? So the state stepped in a couple of years ago and passed the um, Short Term Rental Act, Senate Bill 1086, which grandfathers in. And if you have a legally operating uh, okay. short term rental in the state of Tennessee in good standing, that no matter what a municipality does uh, in the meantime, you can continue to lawfully operate that as long as you remain in good standing. So basically, that uh, one person won't be able with to do a it. Asterisk under the laws that were in place at the time you were issued your permit. Correct. Got that's it. how it's worded. So okay. you have to abide by all the laws that were in place when you got it, no matter how the laws change Correct. subsequently. Is there anything we want to add about Bill 2 before we move on to 3? One last thing is that Planning Commission really debates land use policy. Okay. This second bill is not really a land use policy. It really is an enforcement Bill, you know, planning commission, you know, here's everything that comes through council, gets referred to planning, and then planning refers on to council. Um, it was interesting to see the debate between the commissioners um, as this wasn't truly a land use policy issue. Um, and they recognized that. Okay. Um, and yet still they, they voted to defer to get more information. I think that the planning commission in that instance uh, saw the complexities and wanted to help. Council, okay, which we really appreciated. Good, because they could have just said, you know, this isn't in our purview. We'll pass it along and let council debate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're trying to help in this instance. Yeah, so we really appreciate that effort. Good, absolutely, awesome. So, who would like to go over the third bill? We need to take a break before that. This is going to be quite the discussion. I like because yeah, this one's the most impactful. This, this is this is the one. Do you want to see? Be... Let, me, I, let me just see if there's any questions sure. before we move on. Yeah, that's good. And thanks, everyone, for joining. We're on Deal Shredders episode number seven with Elise Ronzino from Nastra, Mr. Grant Hammond over here. Um, I've got a new comment. Let's just peek around. I do see some questions. I'm flowing through here. Let's see. Thank you, Megan, for putting that perfect. So let's talk about the article and how people can take action on the article that you guys had this week. Yeah, well, we were initially kind of gearing up for the meeting that happened last night. We put out information on the NASTRA website, which is just nastra.org, N-A-S-T-R-A dot O-R-G. Awesome. Um, which you can follow along on there. We're going to be updating things on there later today with a full report from last night. But we had, you know, created a way for people to easily email all of Planning Commission with some suggested talking points and the issues that we see the concerns that we have regarding those three bills and then encourage people to come out last night. And so we'll keep that updated with the the new dates for the rescheduled and deferred hearings for when things will go before council so that all of us as a community can continue to engage on this issue together. Awesome. Yeah, I think it's important for people to know that NASTRA um, has uh, engaged legal representation, that these are not just opinions put together by owners of STRs. There, there is true legal thought um, put into what is uh, being proposed by council and by commission. Uh, so it's, it's, this is not some uh, just a group of realtors who are just, you know, sure throwing their opinions around as we do sometimes. Um, th- this is truly intelligent analysis of legal ramifications from bills being proposed. So, uh, Thanks, Grant. I appreciate the endorsement. Well, yeah, and I, as far as the uh, the data, I 
you put some data together. I did. Um, do you mind if I were to share that link at the end? No, absolutely you should. Um, what is on that exactly? So we decided to determine what the scope of the economic impact is on short-term rentals. Financially. In, financially, for the city. Fair enough. Um, and so we gathered the information straight from the Metro website. So that's where we came up with the 5,878 total permits active as of January 14th. Okay. We took that number as a constant. Uh, then we took the 5% hotel motel tax that each would pay the $2 per night mm -hmm. uh, occupancy tax that is paid. Um, and the average occupancy of an STR with the average number of occupants of an STR we're able to mathematically show what the financial impact is for Davidson County. So that's just taxes that go straight from the county. So I almost feel like it's... So not only does it go straight to the county, but short-term rentals are the single only dedicated source of funding for the Barnes Fund. And what is the Barnes Fund? The Barnes Fund is the affordable housing fund that Metro put together under the Dean administration together with Council uh, Member Berkeley Allen, who was instrumental in getting the short-term rental revenue, tax revenue... Uh, to flow into the Barnes Fund. So how would we fund the Barnes Fund if we're taking these taxes away? What it, <laughs> it would be a huge law. Here's for, the, okay, so that's <laughs> would be were, a huge yeah, so yeah. I feel like that this that is, I feel like these taxes, I mean, so these people that are getting taxed are actually giving to affordable housing, which we all, Nashville talks about all the time, how prices are inflated. I mean, that's here nor there, but... I feel like so. I though there's people are actually contributing to better housing for everybody, and that and that's gonna that could potentially go away. The fund would still exist fund, as correct. as the only dedicated yeah. source. There are other sources. It's just not a consistent dedicated primary source. Okay. Metro's government uh, budget allocates some funds. That figure and percentage changes though. It, there would be yeah. a huge loss in the last fiscal year alone. Our our contribution as short-term rental hosts has been $1.7 million into the affordable housing fund. And then that wow. gets divvied up and used on affordable housing projects across the entire county. Across yeah. the entire county, yeah, as in voted on by... And things of that age. Yeah, yeah as voted on. And I think it's important, you know, just from the 10,000-foot view, people may not know, Nashville's been growing at an unprecedented rate, and yet last year we ran a $41.5 million deficit. At budget. At one point, the state controller sent a letter to Metro that said, if you do not balance your budget, we are going to step in as the state and take, take over. over your budget. So it got really serious really quick under the new Cooper administration. Wow. Cooper stepped in and found $41.5 million. If those funding sources do not come through, then they're likely going to have the state step in and take the balance. Now, hmm. how they made up that $41 million, there's a new water tax that really quietly has that gone through. That started this year, yeah, right? Very yeah, quietly. Water taps. So the your, tap your tap fees, like fees tripled. tripled. So now yeah. taxes went up there. The Barnes Fund was not fully used towards affordable housing. so They, they were, cut it significantly. Yeah. Metro's contribution to the affordable housing fund was cut to help this budget Five million dollars. Wait, wait, wait. Five sense. million dollars. Okay, so... I mean, the buzzword is affordable housing in Nashville. Yes. I didn't even know this. So Can as, we, as the buzzword, we're saying the city just cut their own funding for affordable housing because they can't manage the five million. Can you unpack what affordable housing really means? I, I don't really know exactly what it is. Do you guys know? Well, and I've always heard the definition. It's not Please just, correct, correct yeah, me if I'm wrong. Is It's... It's less than what the median house price is in, in the Nashville area. So the, where does the money go? Does it go to people that were building the affordable houses for people that make a certain amount of income? That's where the majority of it okay. is. So Developers, basically. There were, I, and 
you'll have to look this up to verify. There were either 10 or 11 projects that were going to get funded uh, this fiscal year by those funds. And they had to then go back and decide which ones to cut. So it was a gut-wrenching you know, proposition to go back because there were 30 or 40 or 50 projects considered. They narrowed it down to the top 10 or 11 that would benefit citizens in particular areas. Okay. And then they had to go back, gut-wrenchingly tell those folks, I'm sorry, you are not. Oh, so they funded. actually told these people that, hey, I, you, I'm sorry you were going to live here, but now you can't? Not the people. The, the organizations or the developers. So there's developers, so developers the that are stepping up to actually help these people. That's right. To, and now we're not able to do that. That's right. And we're actually getting taxed on top of that. That's right. Okay. So I'd call that cut another unintended consequence oh, okay. of trying to balance our Fair budget enough. as a city right now. Eric Hensley um, was wanting to ask what the date was that was deferred on the 100-foot Just bill. one planning commission meeting. Yeah, next month. Okay. One I don't know the date offhand, but we'll either. we'll have it all posted online. Meeting it's approximately three month. weeks. Yeah. That's um, I had no idea about that, Grant. That's crazy to me because... I mean, that topic jumps up in every conversation with so many planning commissions. Like, we we heard about the 288-unit development last night for a good portion of 30 minutes. Absolutely. And they're doing affordable housing. Which and is it, a great project, by the way. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Great project. And it almost kind of got like... Almost got halted because of an extra road access point that they wanted that was not necessary and would have made the budget, like, not feasible, basically. That's right. And yet the city is pulling out like to me that doesn't make any sense like you say this is a priority but obviously your checkbook is not showing that it's as embarrassing as i think it can be for a council member to run on a platform of affordable housing and then literally cut the fund 50 percent in one calendar year and megan put a comment on here she wants i'm pretty sure she wants me to say well meanwhile after all that um they're actually providing billions in incentives to hotels to build yep Mm -hmm. (laughs) True. I mean, we're, we're trying to, um, you know, the hotel lobby is one of the most powerful lobbies at the local level. Um, lots of representation at the state level from all different special interest groups. But the hotel lobby is, by and large, the largest contributor to local council member election funds. Uh, and so without drawing uh, a conclusion or telling you factually what's happening here, we're seeing all of these bills that don't necessarily affect hotels, but affect their uh, direct competition. And so That's really draw your own conclusions. Hmm. Um, it's, it's just interesting to see this barrage, especially when it's based on um, what a council member will say. It's based on the, the thousands of calls and complaints, but host compliance data does not back up the fact that there's actually that many complaints. Here's the statistical fact that came out last night. Um, again, thank you to Matt Davis and Darren Cunningham uh, for uh, getting this information out. Um, of all the complaints lodged in 2019, 0.2%, 0.2% were about short-term rentals. Short-term rentals make up 1.2% of the housing stock. 1.8. Or excuse me, 1.8% of the housing stock. That means that a non-short-term rental, a regular homeowner, an office building, whatever, are nine times more likely to get a complaint than a short-term rental is. So and, it's just a <laughs> fake problem. It's it's a they're legislating a solution to a problem that doesn't exist because of the scale that they're trying to create a (laughs) sweeping solution because of funding. I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm just I'm just because of what? That's the question. Correct. Uh, Look, I'll I'll be the first to admit that there there are real complaints. There are some issues. Sure. They are ninety nine percent enforcement related. 
and not land policy use related, not because it's 100 feet from a church related. Um, not I understand because rules have to be in place, but let's. I want to hear from the community. Smart rules are good rules. Sure. Rules. And enforceable rules. Smart we can't just keep rules. adding more rules and we're not enforcing the ones already in place. Right. We did hear some heart-wrenching stories last night of people who have had atrocious experiences at the hands of a short-term rental next to them. I believe that. That is appalling. Sure. And those of us that are good, responsible no hosts, that. That we do not no endorse or that. support that kind no. of behavior. And we want those ones shut down. This sure. is an enforcement issue. We don't need another law to take care of that. Right, and there doesn't really seem to be a big issue. So moving on from that, um, do we are we ready to go into Bill 3? Yeah, sure. Let's go into Bill 3. Got okay. We, All right. Yeah. I don't want to Pandora's cut box. you off, right? Here okay, cool. I just want to make sure I didn't cut you off. No, no, no. Okay, We're good. good. Thank you. So, um, Let's talk about it from a um, what is it? A, yeah, a ten thousand foot view first, and then we'll drill down into what it really means. So, Bill two thousand nineteen dash one eleven is a bill which proposes to create carbon carbon copies of nearly forty zonings that are currently on the book, and add a dash in s after them, which means no short term rentals. That's owner occupied and non owner occupied. It's a tool that they're trying to create for their st- stated purpose of any rezoning requests that come through, um, they'll be able to say, you can do this, but it will have a no short-term rental component. Instead of sending th- people through the lengthy and more expensive SP process, sure. they're trying to find a way to uh, make it so that you can do a straight rezoning and they don't have to worry about short-term rental as a part of your, a component of your project. So is that going to be put on the, the full zoning or this policy or where is that going to... This is, this is a brand new, this almost doubles the zoning book. The in, zoning code table. The zoning code table in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. So you'd have like RM20 and then RM20 dash. And NS. NS. Okay. Yeah, or, and this is not just, you know, mixed use and commercial. This is, um, this is everything except for IWD and DTC. Downtown code, industrial or housing development sure. is not included and in this. RS, and R- residential, so yeah, and the residential. And the residential. kept out. Uh, RS, we understand, because uh, it is. The, it's already. Because it already yeah. is. Yeah, it already yeah. is. But, I mean, so, I mean, I'm just going to throw this out there. So, NS actually doesn't seem to be bad if it's parcel by parcel case basis instead of blanket. Well, yeah. Like, I can understand, like, I don't want. I don't, I don't know, maybe a community meeting, maybe that's something where they agree on, but just for, like, one parcel, not for the entire zone. Well, that's, that's the stated reason for the new zoning is so that it can be on a case-by-case, parcel-by-parcel. Okay. Um, but, and, and that's the council member's stated reason. It's not stated in the bill itself. So our greatest fear is that a council member has a community meeting or does not because it's not legally required and introduces a bill that downzones uh, properties in their district, either street by street or block by block um, or district by district, to this new no short-term renting um, zoning. And so I think the argument they're going to make is that it's not a down zone because you're still RM20, you're still MUL. They're going to call it a right zoning but it truly is a down zoning because the only reason they created this zoning code is to eliminate one legally permitted use. Never in the history of council have we seen them create 40 new zonings to eliminate one permitted use. The last time you can see council doing that was landfills. 
And that was prior to the new code. Nashville Next was really the, the, the brainchild um, of zoning codes planning, working together to create a zoning code that would be form-based that would really help clarify what you can do in specific zones. Um, never was it the intent of the architects of Nashville Next to now see 40 new zonings that, that eliminate one permitted use. Wow. So that is, that's a scary precedent to set because what happens when it is working from home? What if all of a sudden they say it's a nuisance because, you know, there's cars parked in the ground. On that, there's um, somebody was talking about recording studios. Recording studios. I mean, bill up for legislation right now. Sure. I mean, that is absolutely. What if it's long term rentals? What if there's a district that says, you know what, we only want owner occupancy. We want this (laughs) super family. Everyone lives there, utopic society. I mean, that sounds like fair housing to me. Well, what happens when that council member says, you know what, I'm going to do a dash. No long term too. So now I'm going to have a a RM twenty NS NL. Now there's a precedent set for them to be able to go and do that. It's like a blanket HOA without being able to vote on it. Really, that's mm. that's right. And so, or Good knowing analogy. that before you bought it, there would be that. That's right. That's right. And you have um, very little opportunity to speak with your particular council person now. I'm going to say a council person's name here because I know of what that council person's done so far in their tenure. Um, Angie Henderson is a proud council member for downzoning properties in her district. District number? She ran on street by street, block by block. Which district is this? Um, <laughs> you know, okay, fine, no. <laughs> so, well, I mean, I guess I could say because no, I just fine. said her. But, you don't have to. So she proudly has downzoned property. During the Planning Commission debate last night, one of her fellow commissioners brought up a contentious one in which she was downzoning five properties, two of which vehemently opposed. opposed and yet they still crammed it through. And so... You know, two out of five members of the community don't want it, and yet it still gets pushed through. Um, I can see a very reasonable path, a very foreseeable future of certain members of council using this as a tool to downzone or what they will call right zone properties um, to non-short-term rental. And that's owner-occupied and not. That's both. That's a, that's a huge in my view, property right violation, especially Absolutely. as we live in the state of Tennessee. Or anywhere. Just, it's unbelievable to me that that, that tool would be given to somebody. Um, and one thing that was interesting was many of the commissioners last night in their debate and discussion about this emphasized their unwavering trust in council that, it, that council members would not do this in a way that would harm or have a negative impact that they would always listen to their constituents and that they take these matters so seriously that they would not necessarily go against the wishes of the citizens or the homeowners. But then the example of that case that Angie Henderson discussed, and then one of the things I even personally shared at the meeting last night, my own home, my street, eight homes on my street were rezoned this past year, even though five of the eight, including myself, opposed the rezone. We wrote letters to Planning Commission, Metro Council, our council member, and it still passed. So based on my experience, it tells me that this new zoning code will be used in the same way. I wish we could all have the same faith in our current council or hypothetical future councils made up yeah. of people we don't know yet. And we're giving them a lot of power. Yeah. This is this is a council who during council meetings, during 
legal procedures have said words like, I hate short-term rentals. I abhor short-term rentals. Sounds like it was just a single person's opinion. It is potentially a single person's opinion, but what we know is that it's a very hostile council currently that has an attitude of um, anti-short-term renters' uh, property rights. It just goes back to why. Um, You know, again... A question right. that you'll have to draw your own yeah. conclusion to. Exactly. Um, I mean, we're, we're all semi-intelligent and kind of get where that's going, but I just don't see how that is going to make a make our city grow. I think it's going to make our city start holding back. Yeah, so that's where we need to start talking about the unintended consequences. And so okay. have, there's quite a few. One unintended consequences is going to be the moment that this is used for a uh, down zone or a right zone um, is... Property values. Not just property values, but also lawsuits. Um, Sure. Those property owners are likely going to get together and sue the city. We've already seen property values start shifting a little bit with the last time that we had this. Sure. Yeah, anything that the city does to make it more difficult, more convoluted, more um, ununderstandable, intelligible, uh, you know, makes it more difficult to to find any type of stability in it. Um, And so... Part of what we believe is that if we can all work together um, in one large coalition to come up with a set of rules by which we can all play, um, that a lot of those problems would be solved. But council has, um, and, and planning commission has, has not necessarily um, heard our calls for those meetings um, and hasn't held that. Okay. So I guess the next logical question would be, to everybody listening and watching, like what could the citizens do to help protect themselves and their own properties? Well, regarding this bill in particular, we didn't discuss the outcome of it last night. Commission unanimously voted it to pass. Unanimously? I didn't know that. I thought it was unanimous. Well, there there was no... The way that the planning commission votes, they 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 say they make a motion and they, they, they said eyes... And then anyone who says, you know, dissents say no, no one said Nobody said, said no. So but it, I will say that not I didn't hear eight voices for the eyes. True. There were no vocal notes. But I, but I heard such a loud voice coming from Angie Henderson that may have drawn out the other. It was just <laughs> So it, it did pass. Crazy. Okay. Which means it goes to Metro Council, and that will be a public hearing. And that's the second reading public hearing for that one. Yes, okay. which will be, you know, constituents' opportunity to right. go and voice their second their and last yeah. and, and last, last yeah. opportunity to voice your. And then Nastra.org, we're gonna have we're gonna keep everybody updated with these with dates. call to actions, okay. everything everyone needs to know to stay involved and engaged on. This. And right now, just so everybody knows, I did put in the comments um, what your call your what your call to action could be right now to be able to reach directly out to council and kind of what to say. So that's really easy to do. It takes two seconds. So if you are a homeowner... Send an email. It's really easy. Yeah, I mean, There's if a, you're worried about your property value, yeah. send an email. Everybody, everybody, these are times where Nashville, we all need to come together. We all need to act intelligently and peacefully. And that, that's our right. And this is a really easy tool that Nastra put together to do that. And I thank you for I'm sure everybody thanks you for that. And what were you going to say? I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I so said the email address. <laughs> there's an email address for the planning commission. There's an email address for the council. It literally goes to all the members of that body. Perfect. You only send one email. You don't even need to know who your commissioner or your right. council okay. member is. Um, so there's no research involved. You just copy, paste, done. Yeah, and then just 
you know, from my standpoint, uh, an email that's just copied and pasted is, is likely not very effective. You need to say how it personally affects you and, and, okay. and what you believe. And, uh, you know, this is the time for you to reach out to counsel to yeah. explain to them your thoughts and feelings and concerns. Okay. Um, and we need to show up to the meetings. Yes. That's, so that's People the, need to show up. That's the biggest thing, right? So, you know, everyone gets a lot of emails all the time. And I think we're all desensitized if sure. we start getting a bunch of you emails. You see in the inbox, they're not going to open them all. Fair enough. Right. But when you go to an actual council meeting and they have a public hearing and they see 100 people lined up during the public discussion to speak for three minutes on a particular bill, it's very impactful. Um, as an example, when 1633 was going through, that's exactly what happened. What was 1633 for 1633 was the uh, RM bill that uh, Councilmember Berkeley Allen yes. introduced uh, that was stated purpose was to bring the city's um, laws into compliance with the state short-term rental act. Um, that stated purpose was not necessarily the, the true motivation behind it. Uh, but it was to add RM to the same category as R and RS properties. Um, during that process, Council uh, Member Allen was very gracious about hosting a lot of meetings and intended a, uh, a very big meeting put together um, at a local church where she actually got up on stage with a microphone and answered questions as long, along with NASTRA. Uh, along with a couple of influential developers, along with Metro Codes. I'm just guessing that's what we need to see, right? Well, and that's, and we, and it took time to put that together. Sure. Um, and that's a big thing. It's but a big in deal. The, yeah. In that process, what ended up happening is that we were able to come to a compromise where everyone wouldn't have been hurt as badly as they would have been had that bill been passed as originally constructed. Um, it would have devastated uh, 14 to 15 developers, would have been on the verge of bankruptcy. Um, which is, again, an unintended consequences that council members don't fully have the ability to um, They probably to don't see. know, and they need to hear. Uh, well, I mean. Here's, well. Here, here's <laughs> a day. I mean, I, don't, I can't remember the gentleman's name. The, the person that's was to the left of the main person in charge, that, that gentleman. Mm-hmm. Anyways, he very openly. Talking about the chair? Yeah, yeah. He very openly said that he doesn't really care about the cost that developers pay for lots and developments oh, no, within ARM. Huh? <laughs> that, that wasn't the chair. You're talking about the, uh, the, the, guy the silver right, fox. Yes. I can't remember his name, but he, he, blat- he blatantly... Premium said, pricing? Yeah, because some people were saying, well, we paid a premium for these lots or these properties. And he basically said, I've said this many times, like, I don't really care. Shame on you. Right. But what yeah, about he chastised. The, yeah, but what about the people that have owned these lots for years? And this is, they finally get an actual payday. I mean, this is... So that's it's, the narrow the view. Of the economy. Yeah, yeah so that's the narrow view that certain members of planning commission and council members have. They only think of it as the people who have engaged in this activity over the last three years. That you know our capital markets identified an opportunity and have taken advantage of it, just like you do in a capital society. Um, and what he sees is that. What he doesn't see are the people who have owned lots in areas that just have not developed for the last 30 years. Since the interstate system came through and literally divided certain communities in half, some of those communities have been cut off. And and never revitalized. And never revitalized. Yeah, people think like, oh, anything in Nashville is this, and all the prices in Nashville are going up. There's a lot of areas of town that her just got stuck with the prices That's right. way squished way down. That's right. And a lot of them could not exit at a price Absolutely. at which yep. they could retire or right. live comfortably yeah. or 
pay for medical right. uh, procedures or whatnot. That's and just so, like how we're so the town is really uneven when it comes to that. Very much. Yeah, very much so. Everyone need says, a, you know, you know, I know a lot of agents. They're telling like, oh, the market's hot and this and that, and it, it, it kind of is. But we got to be realistic on where this is. Right. Yeah. There's people a certain say, district that it's you know it has not appreciated since 2015. Yeah. They people say Nashville and they and they envision the skyline. Correct. And how it's changed. And, and the core. But you got to remember, like you know, the MSA area of Nashville is massive. Yeah. And, and we are a very spread out city. Absolutely. Um, and a lot of areas have not seen um, the appreciation. Within 20 minutes of town, there's a lot of areas yeah. that have not seen appreciation. Or the new construction or the essential services from Metro. They've got yeah. schools that are dying in that district. A lot of districts. Um, and so a lot of those kids have to get bused to other districts, adding to the time, adding to truancy. Like there's a yeah. lot of really systematic and really hard issues that are going to have to be addressed. I mean, there's like, I mean, I know there's a lot of roads that there's so many people walking up and down. There's no sidewalks. I mean, this is a whole different subject, but there is so many areas of town that need attention. That's right. But anyway, it's a whole different show. It, it is. You know, and, that, and that's part of the, again, the unintended consequences. Correct. Um, you know, if you disallow, if, if a council member in that district says, I like the way this district is, it has a, you know, a certain feel to it that we all love as homeowners and put this overlay, we're not an overlay, rezone that entire, you know, block by block or district in that particular way, they will essentially miss out on the opportunity of appreciation from yeah. short-term leasing activities. And yeah. those property rights will be gone. Yeah. And likely for right now, that district will not will go back to not growing. Yep. Uh, until there's another reason for it to grow. Yep. You know, growth doesn't happen evenly across all areas. It, it happens because there's a reason for it to grow. People there's, almost demand it for a lot of, yeah, there's, a lot of there's spot. always some kind of niche that comes to the market, yeah. whether it's Germantown and its walkability and everything, or yeah, whether right. you're in different parts of East Nashville, Five Points, Englewood, or, I mean, I personally live in Cleveland Park, and over the last two and a half years, we've seen 30% appreciation on houses with dadus. I want you all to think about that for a second. It's a big number. A house over two and a half years ago, you know, selling for 500000 now it's selling for six sixty to 700 Like, and that's the top of the market, and it's still appreciated by... 10 to 12% per year, but that's because of short-term rental capabilities with that use. So it's a, it has long-reaching consequences for a lot of metropolitan areas that are very close to downtown. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. So before we wrap this up, do we cover everything? Not even close. Is there anything that we should, <laughs> Okay. Is there anything that's super important that we need to talk about? Um, as it relates to these three bills, I mean, that, that definitely is you know, the 10,000 foot view, there are a lot more moving parts and a lot more detail. Are there any, uh, are there any initial consequences with the third bill being passed last night immediately? Like I know that with the first two, if they they would have passed that, you know, pending legislation would have paused. Yeah. The answer is, the answer is no, because they're building a tool right now. They're not actually doing a rezoning. Um, but the analogy I gave last night, the planning commission, which might be a little nerdy, um, is that it's like the, Council is creating the Infinity Stones, and they're about to hand it over to Thanos when it's passed. So just because you have the Infinity Stones doesn't mean you have to use them. Right. But 
you know, no matter what the, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, it got a little nerdy. No, snap of a finger, <laughs> though, and, and, it, yeah, the and, fan. Then, and then snap of a finger, all of a sudden there's a, a rezone right. that happens, and all of a sudden your rights just evaporate, yeah. uh, just like Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I get the reference entirely, so I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, you know, and so there's a better reference that another person came up with that, you know, might be a little racy for a podcast. All right, fair enough. <laughs> we'll go to you now. You were going to say something. <laughs> I would like to encourage or even challenge you to engage. If you are hearing all of this and, you know, this touches on something that's personal or a passion point or rubs you the wrong way, please engage. Your voice does matter. As we saw last night, not not with the third bill, but with Bill 78 and 79, we saw a positive result from what can happen when we show up in a strong, unified show of force and we share both the personal impact, we humanize these bills, we take the words off the page and we explain how it will personally impact us and we presented data. Those two things combined caused a deferral on two of the bills, your voice matters. So if you're normally not inclined to engage in politics or this feels scary and overwhelming, first off, I totally get it, (laughs) which is why NASTRA as an organization tries to make it as easy and, just like something you can wrap your brain and your hands around. We will provide as many tools as we ever possibly can with making it easy on how to contact people, who to contact, what dates things are happening that you need to show up where for and where you should be. Keep easy? going to nastra.org, N-A-S-T-R-A.org, in our news section. And just plug in. Your voice matters, so please use it. And if you're a realtor, reach out to your realtor association. So if you're a member of GNR, they're now very active and visible for the first time in quite some time. If you're a member of WCAR or Wilson County, or they're all paying attention to these issues. And even though your realtor association may not be in Basin Davidson County, they're active. They're paying attention. It affects them too. Absolutely. Because what happens in Nashville may not necessarily be in their district, but the precedent set. It's a ripple yeah. effect. It, they, yeah. It'll trickle down like the to the next effect, municipality. Yeah. I mean, it spreads out. And I've seen a lot of comments online of people saying, oh, well, the state will step in and handle this. And I think we need to not keep passing the buck and hoping someone else will step in and do something. But the damage we are the ones who point. need to do something. Yeah. If yeah. we so, wait till the state to step in, we we already have too many We're long, too far gone. So yeah, whether, too many consequences. Whether you're a real estate agent, you are, I'm hoping that a lot of homeowners that are not real estate agents that they step out to, they go to nastra.org, they reach out to us, they show up to the meetings. Um, we're going to be posting. Every, I watch you guys, whenever you guys post something, I share it. So we're going to be yeah. really um, adamant about knowing when these hearings are and what is coming up. So we'll watch for Nastra. They're also on Facebook. You can yes. read. Uh, Megan the, is the president. president yeah. She has I'll put a comment in these, which will be staying up of the call to action that we need to do right now. Perfect. Um, Grant, is there any... Uh, we, is, I know you're, you're getting blown up. I've seen your phone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know who's calling I, me. And I, I don't want to overwhelm Grant. So, I mean, um, go to real... Do you want to give it... Is, what's the best way to get a hold of you that if anybody needs to know anything? Do you want people to get a hold of yeah, for me, I, I I am a statistical analysis type fella. I enjoy numbers. And so 
I did put together the statistical analysis of the economic impact of STRs on Davidson County. Okay. Um, look at that spreadsheet, um, all based in fact. There's no conjecture I'm going to go ahead and post that in the comments. Yeah, also. numbers came email. from the Metro website. I also got data from the Nashville Convention and Visitors Corporation. Okay. Um, I also got numbers uh, from AirDNA and from Smith Travel Resources. So Perfect. all reputable uh, places. Just simply put it in a spreadsheet and did the math. Yeah. Uh, look at that spreadsheet. It's pretty eye-opening that um, these short-term rentals have a $28 million positive revenue event uh, on Metro. And that does not include the spending that those visitors go and spend. So if you include the average of $104 per day spend, you're talking about tens and tens of millions of dollars. And this is not just local revenue. This is state revenue because state sales tax is divided uh, such that the state gets 7% of every uh, dollar spent and the city gets $2.25. So this is, a, so. I mean, I feel like this industry, I mean, it's very obvious, but that's why Nashville is where it is. And that's why we get 250,000 people here on New Year's Eve. That's right. You know, or for the... Not all of them can go to you know, a hotel yeah. room downtown. The, the Nash, this is another interesting point. The Nashville Convention uh, Center Tourist Visitor Bureau... Um, had said that they could not have pulled off the NFL draft without having short-term rentals available. No, of course not. Um, if we want more events like the NFL draft that put us on the world stage, we have to have these options for people to come and stay in. Yeah. Our hotel stock cannot handle it. The stock that's under uh, construction still cannot handle that's it. It's just like a market, though. Not everybody wants to stay in a hotel. Well, that's the thing. Here's a great example. When you go to the beach, where did you stay? On the beach. And if you stayed on the beach, you likely didn't stay in a hotel. You likely stayed in a privately owned condo. either condo, townhome, house. Um, you know, the, the state of Florida has a t statistic that says that more than 70% of the people who come to the state of Florida stay in a private residence. Yeah. This is the same thing. You yeah. want to stay with your family. Yeah. You want to hang out with them. You want to have yeah. breakfast. You want to be able to catch up and like... You know, how's life been, Greg? Like, I haven't yeah. seen you in the last year. Yeah. Um, that's the it's same just thing. More of a, it's just a different atmosphere. It's like being together. You want to be together. You don't want to be in separate rooms. You don't want to have right. to go through all the BS to get in your room. Yeah, you just want to drive lobby. up in the driveway and just say, what, you know, and just have fun. Yeah, with your groceries in your car. Yeah, people want to cook. Yeah, with, like, routinely, you'll go, I'll go by Archer Street. I happen to own property over there. And I'll see people coming in with puzzles. Like they're putting puzzles together at the kitchen table. Like these yeah. are. This is sometimes the only times that these people actually get to be together. That's right. Yeah, like Thanksgiving, Christmas. Yeah, those are all families coming to hang yeah. out for you know for. for anyway, but I digress. I mean, again, this is a really complex issue, um, which is why we take exception with uh, council making these rules and laws or proposing these rules and laws that are not based in fact. They're based in conjecture, opinion, and fear. So we want to make laws that are based in fact, that are fairly applied yeah. across all property types. Enforceable. Yeah. Um, that's all we're asking for. Seat at the table so we can guarantee that happens for the citizens of Nashville. Well, thanks for all you do for your um, involvement in this. Thanks for everything that you do and put together for this. So, I mean, thanks. like I said, it's Nashville.org, Mr. Grant Hammond. Um Elise Ronzano. Ronzino. Oh my God. I don't know why I do that. Man. If, if I, you were almost Zano three for three, right. but then, man. If I don't look at it, I know it, and I always get nervous there. Quick second. Too but, many vowels in there. I know. But anyway, um, we're, this is episode seven Deal Shredders, and thanks for everybody for, yeah, thanks for all you've done. Yeah, yeah thank thanks you guys again. so much.